Well, back before the, the 2010 Paralympic Winter Games here in Vancouver, I came across a, an online posting that was looking for people to be torchbearers for the Games. Now, the Olympic torch relay is this 10-day experience that kicked off in Ottawa and made its way across our country, eventually ending here in Vancouver at the opening ceremonies. And when I saw this posting, I immediately sent it to my sister, Alicia, who applied and to all of our surprise was selected to be one of the torchbearers. It was amazing to, to share in this experience with her as she was gifted all this amazing Olympic merch uh, and to, to share in the, the excitement of it all. I remember as we gathered at her particular leg of the relay, there was a sense of excitement and anticipation as she waited for the, the flame to come down the road. And as her torch was lit and she ran her leg of the relay, there was a sense of real responsibility and privilege as she carried the flame forward. The Olympic torch relay, in some ways, sets the tone for the entire Olympic Games. The Olympics is this experience where people from all walks of life are invited to, to come and share in the experience of sport. And the torch relay reminds people that uh, the Games itself is intended to be shared with everyone. It would make no sense for a torchbearer to hang on to the flame and to keep it to themselves. But in passing it on to others, it's this reminder that sport is to be shared and it, to remind people what the Olympics are all about. John Furlong Vanock's chief executive officer said this. He said, each and every one of the 600 torchbearers on this relay are individual sparks adding to the brightness of the Paralympic flame as it travels towards Vancouver. And today we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture that invites us to, to consider Christ as the light of the world and to see ourselves as torchbearers, so to speak, and to consider what it means to be a, a torchbearer who, who holds the light of Christ and how we pass it on and share it with others. In Colossians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul writes these words from prison to the Colossae church. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Well, today is the final message in our series exploring the book of Colossians. And throughout this series, we've talked about how Colossians is this blueprint of what it means to live as people in light of Jesus' resurrection. And throughout this series, we've looked at Paul's words of, of living as people of the, the resurrection as the new creation. And how because of Jesus' resurrection, it affects how we speak to one another, how we relate to one another. It affects how we view our work and how we navigate our inmost desires. And today, we're going to be looking at Paul's words that encourage us to share our experience with Christ to others to share our experience with Christ to others. Now, they say if you're at a dinner party or on a date, you should never talk about politics or religion. And so maybe like me, when you hear about this idea of talking about your faith to other people, you feel a little bit awkward and maybe even a bit strange. Because for a lot of us, talking about your faith can feel like a, a strange and foreign thing. But why is that? We, in a lot of ways, tend to talk about a lot of different things and, and live quite public lives. I remember when I first discovered the, the show The Office, and I watched it, and I thought, this is the greatest show on the planet. So much so that I began telling all my family and friends that they had to watch the show, that the show would change their lives. When you experience something good in your life, there's a tendency to want to share that goodness with 
people around you. If you think about the, the last good thing that happened in your life, maybe it was a promotion, maybe it was a, maybe it was a new relationship that got started, a great deal that you found online or a great dining experience, chances are that you shared it with someone. When we experience good things, we have this natural tendency to invite others into that great experience as well. In fact, the very nature of social media is this very public platform where we share our lives quite openly, sometimes with random strangers. It's the very nature of social media. In fact, as an example, I've randomly selected a few of your Facebook accounts and we're going to look at your most recent post, all right? No, we're not going to do that. But it's interesting, right? If you were to leave, uh, leave our service today and go home and scroll through all of your social accounts and look at your last post, what would it be? And how easy would it have been for you to post that? Or if you go through your, your emails and think of the last email that you forwarded to a friend or a family member, what was it and how easy was it for you to hit send? And part of the reason when it comes to talking about our faith that we get so nervous and maybe feel a little bit awkward about it is because we think we don't, or we don't want to impose or, or offend anyone, which is a good posture to have. But in talking about our faith and in passing it on to other, as, as others, as we'll see in Paul's words, it isn't about trying to convert people or trying to make people believe what we believe, but it's about sharing a, a good thing that we've experienced with those around us. It's about being a, a torchbearer passing on the, the light of Christ to those around us. And in these verses, Paul gives a bit of a, a guide on how to do that in a way that's, that's natural, in a way that's genuine, and a way that's authentic to the faith that we've experienced in Christ. He gives a progression in these verses that invites us to consider what it means to pass on our faith. And surprisingly, he begins with prayer. He begins with prayer. In verse 2, he says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. The starting point for sharing and passing on our faith is prayer. Being in prison, you would think Paul's prayer request would be for, for freedom, that he would ask that he would be released from his chains. But no, his prayer is that he would have more opportunity to continue on the mission of Jesus. And he encourages us to be watchful in our prayer, which echoes the, the words of Jesus himself, who in the Garden of Gethsemane tells his disciples to, to stay alert and to watch and pray as he deals with this, this deep anguish about going towards the cross. And the disciples in their fatigue end up falling asleep multiple times and they miss out on Jesus' cue to watch and to pray. And in doing so, they miss out entirely on what is happening around them. And they're completely caught off guard when a crowd of people come to arrest Jesus. It's in prayer that we awaken ourselves to the, the larger reality that we're a part of. It's in prayer that we remember what God is doing in the world and we remember the, the mission and the, the work that he is engaging in in the world. And it's in prayer that we remind ourselves of what it means to pass on the, the love of Christ to others. You know, I remember chatting a number of years ago with a, a family member and they were sharing with me how they were having a really difficult time with their teenager being a typical teenager, they weren't making the, the best choices for their life, and they were really wrestling with their faith. Not having any real advice or counsel to offer, I simply shared my own experience of being a teenager, and my own experience of making not the, the greatest choices for myself, and my own journey of, of really walking away from my faith. 
And I shared with this family member that I remember during that period of time as a 15, 16, 17-year-old, during this time of of great wrestling in my faith, I had a mom who every day would pray for me. My mom would wake up every morning at 5 a.m. and would pray that I would receive the the love of Christ in my heart, that the Spirit of God, a a God who who made me and loves me, would, would capture my attention. And I truly believe that my mom's prayers were answered. And so I responded to this family member by saying, all I can suggest is that you keep praying. Keep praying that the the love of Christ might capture your child's heart. When it comes to passing on our faith in Christ, Paul's encouragement is to begin with prayer. In fact, the whole letter to the Colossae church is, is filled with prayer. In Colossians 1, Paul kicks off this letter by saying, it's for this reason, um, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And in the end, in Colossians 4, he talks about another friend who's on the journey and says, Epaphras is always with you, he's always, sends his greetings, and he's always wrestling in prayer for you. Paul bookends uh, this entire letter in prayer as a reminder of, of what it means to be people who share our faith with others. There's someone in our community named Mitchell who's given me permission to share a little bit about his experience and what it's like to, what his experience has been like to receive the, the love of Christ. He shared that for many years he's been on this quest where he's found himself looking for uh, life and meaning and all sorts of different things. And he shared that at one point in his life, a number of years ago, he found himself in a really dark and desperate place where the, the future felt pretty hopeless and, and pretty grim. And it was through an invitation to, to come to a, a service, to come to church, that he was awakened to the reality that, that God cared about him, that God wanted a, a relationship and wanted to be a part of his story. And that relationship and that, that entryway into faith and discovering uh, uh, the love of Christ transformed him in such a way and infused his life with so much hope and meaning that he became a, became a person who wanted to naturally just share that with other people. Mitchell's regular prayer is this, God use me as, an inf- God, use me as a vessel to further your kingdom. God, use me to ves- as a vessel to further your kingdom. Use me as a person that can share the, the good thing that I've experienced with those around me. Now, Mitchell would admit that he's never intentional about sharing his faith with other people. It's not something he chooses to do, but this simple prayer that he offers to God regularly seems to open up unique moments and unique doors where whether he's with his friends or his colleagues at work, faith seems to always come up. Whether it's inviting work, uh, work colleagues to a Christmas event here at 10th, or whether it's sharing about his faith to someone who is describing how lonely they are feeling in the city, God seems to be meeting Mitchell in his simple prayer that he would be used as a vessel for God's kingdom. Mitchell, in some ways, has caught on what Paul is describing, that when it comes to passing on our faith to other people, it begins with prayer. It begins with prayer. And then in verse 5, Paul offers a, a next step to consider after we've had this real heart of prayer as we think about our faith. In verse 5, he says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. And here he moves from prayer to speak about our lifestyle, to speak about the way we, we live and the way that we conduct ourselves in the world. He says, the way that you, he says to be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. And outsiders likely means those who are outside of the faith. And his point is that it's not necessarily what you say, but how you say it. And the life that you live that will speak volumes to a watching world. You know, there's this familiar 
uh, phrase that's often been attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, who says, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. And there are times when we need to express our faith with words. But that phrase and, and Paul's encouragement is to be people who live lives with our actions and our character that act as the greatest witness to who Jesus is. That when people look at us, when they look at the decisions we make, they look at the choices we make and how we conduct ourselves, that they see Jesus in and through us. In his book called Speaking of Jesus, Carl Medeiros tries to help people rethink what it means to, to share their faith with others. And he tells the story of tree planting one summer here in Canada and how he felt this, this urge to really start talking about his faith with those that he worked with. Now, he describes tree planters as being a little bit rough around the edges, and a lot of them actually not having any interest in faith or anything to do with, with Christianity, and actually were quite hostile towards him and would, would mock him for being a Christ follower. He said that for a lot of his workmates, there was a lot of pain, hurt, and frustration towards Christianity and the church because of their experiences. And so he decided to create a, a discussion group that focused in on the life of Jesus, this group would meet regularly and using the scriptures as, as their guide, they would examine the life of Jesus. And even though people in this group shared their anger and frustration about Christianity, he found that there were, their attitude changed the moment they evaluated the life of Jesus. When they saw Jesus standing up for the woman caught in adultery, Jesus welcoming the children, Jesus feeding the needy, they saw someone who was good for the world and someone that all people needed more of. They were drawn and connected to Jesus in a way that the church had never drawn them. And people were drawn to Jesus then in the scriptures and are drawn to Jesus now because of his countercultural way of living. His words impacted people, yes, but his life and the way he conducted himself and carried himself is what captured people's attention. And Paul says to us to allow our life to be the greatest witness to the world. And that's why in the last chapter, in chapter 3, he goes in depth about wearing the metaphorical clothes, uh, about talking about the metaphorical clothes that we wear. He tells us to wear compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Because as the new creation, we embody Jesus to the world. As followers of Christ, we are, are Jesus to the, the watching world in terms of how we live our lives and the choices that we make. Paul says, become wise and make the most of every opportunity. What we do and how we live our lives matter. And after spending time talking about what it means to, to pass on your faith in prayer and spending time in evaluating our lifestyle, it's then and only then does Paul address our speech. In verse 6, he says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. The progression is fascinating. He says it starts with prayer, then it moves to, to how you live your life and, and, and how you live as a, as a follower of Jesus, and then and only then should you consider your words to other people. He says, let your conversation be full of grace and seasoned with salt. And salt in the ancient world was used to preserve and to, to add flavor. And in some ways, Paul is likely saying, let your speech be, be intriguing, be compelling, be inviting to the very work of Jesus Christ. Last week, I spoke a little bit about my, my dad, um, and his faith journey is a really unique one, but one that I think emphasizes what Paul is, is trying to get across here. You know, before discovering Christ, my parents were in a really difficult life circumstance. 
there was a, our family had been separated and my parents were in need of a, a lot of healing in their stories. And my dad shares a story of being at a point when he was at his lowest moment, as he describes, and he was walking down Fraser Street, not too far from here. And as he was walking, he looked up ahead and he saw someone uh, on the street, a, a guy kind of lingering on the street, and he thought that this person was either selling something or asking for money. But as he got closer, he turned out that this guy was a, was a pastor. And he was standing on the street just talking to people about Jesus and having conversations about faith. My dad describes how he's, as he walked by, this pastor simply asked him the question, how are you doing? And that question, coupled with my dad's very low emotional state, allowed him to just open up about all the things that our family was journeying through at the time. He began to share openly about some of the real difficult things that he and my mom were navigating. And as a result of that question of how are you doing, and this open conversation on Fraser Street, the pastor in the end passed my dad his phone number and said, hey, if you ever want to chat, if you ever want to connect, if you ever need anything, give me a call. And that impression, that interaction left such a positive impression on my dad that a few days later when he was at another kind of low point in his cycle, thought of that pastor. And he thought about the way that that pastor communicated to him and the conversation that was, was full of love and grace conversation that wasn't judging, that wasn't condemning, but that was full of love. And he reached out to that pastor and that phone call embarked on a, started a friendship between this pastor and my parents as he took them in, he provided warmth and shelter for them and food in a time when they desperately needed just someone to care. And in that friendship, they began to share, the pastor and his family began to share the, the love of Jesus to my parents in a way that they had never heard. And as my parents heard about this Jesus character, a God who cared about them enough to enter into the world, to offer forgiveness of sin in a, in a new way forward, they were drawn to Jesus. And they began a relationship for themselves in a way that has radically changed their lives. I'm forever grateful for that pastor for being bold enough to, to share his faith in such a public way because his boldness had this ripple effect not only in my parents' life, but in my life and in my kids' life. And I don't think Paul is saying that all of us need to be uh, pastors to be able to, to share our faith. And all of us don't need to be on the, you know, standing on Fraser Street sharing the, the message of Jesus to people. But he is saying that when we've experienced the goodness of God in our lives, there is a sense in which we just can't contain it. We want others to experience the same love, hope, and mercy that we've experienced as well. When you experience something good, you don't keep it to yourself. You don't hoard it, but you share it generously. And Paul's invitation is to be a person who embodies the very life of Jesus and how we think about those around us and how we pass on our faith to others. There's this progression. starts with prayer, moves to our lifestyle, and then it moves to our speech and how we conduct our words with people. Now, maybe if you're here today, this idea of sharing your faith with other people might seem like a bit, uh, a bit of a stretch, a big step for here today. And I get that. And so let me offer two really simple and practical things that all of us can engage in as we leave this place as a way to try and live out Paul's words. Here's the first. It's to begin praying for someone. As you think about your life, who in your circle, whether it's a family member, a friend, a neighbor, coworker, who in your life doesn't know about Christ? Who in your life doesn't know that God loves them? And how can you, as a, as a friend, as a family member, as a neighbor, as a coworker, begin to pray actively for that person? 
to pray that God might reveal his, his great love to that individual. Is there someone that you can be thinking of that you can begin praying for you? And here's the, the second step that all of us can engage in as we leave this place is to look for moments in our lives to share that we're followers of Christ. To look for opportunities to share that we are followers of Christ. A simple thing might be is, as someone asks you, if you go back to work tomorrow and someone asks you how your weekend was or what you did this weekend, a simple way to do that is just to say, I went to church. And to allow that to be a, a signal, a cue to, to people around you that faith is an important part of your story. But to look for, for moments in conversations with family members and friends to just name the fact that you are follow, a follower of Jesus. When you look throughout the scriptures, Jesus doesn't have private followers. But the very nature of being a follower of Jesus is to live in such a way that your life embodies and sends a message to the world that you are one of his. And so are there moments in your life and in your interactions with people that you can name that you are a follower of Jesus? You know, our job is not to try and convert people, not to try and make people believe what we believe. But as followers of Jesus, we've been entrusted with a, a good gift. We've been entrusted with something really beautiful and really lovely. And the invitation for all of us as followers of Christ is to steward that good gift really well, to use it for the sake of others' well-being so that all people might encounter the, the goodness of God in their own lives. You know, throughout Colossians, Paul has this prayer that he might have more opportunity, that more people might come to hear of the good news of Jesus. And it's because of letters like this and other letters that his prayer is in some ways answered. The ancient world was radically transformed because of Paul's letters, and the world has changed even now and today because of his letters. There's a sense in which his prayer is being realized and fulfilled each and every moment of each and every day the more we read these letters time and time again. And I wonder if in some ways we might pray the same prayer that Paul prays, that we might pray for a door to be opened to share the mystery of Christ. I wonder if that might be our prayer, that a door might be open for us to share the mystery of Christ with those around us. You know, when I, when I think about my sister being that torchbearer, there was this great sense of, of joy that filled her because she knew she was tapping into something bigger than herself, that she was sharing in a unique experience as a Canadian in this larger experience of the Olympic Games. And there's a sense in which we recognize our faith that we have has been entrusted to, to pass on to others. We get infused with life when we realize that our faith is not for our own, for our own keeping, but it's meant to be shared with all people that we encounter. And the moment we tap into that larger reality, the larger work of God in the world, we're filled with life, meaning, and purpose. And so may all of us, as we leave this place, see ourselves as, as torchbearers, carrying the light of Christ forward to all we encounter. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that in your mercy and in your love, you call us friends, that because of your, your life, your death, your resurrection, your ascension, and your second coming, we as your followers have hope. And we ask, Lord, that the good gift that we have received from you, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of mercy, the gift of love, and the gift of life might be something that we don't keep to ourselves but it might be something that we are generous with, 
holding it as an open hand to all those we encounter. We think of those in our lives who don't know your love for them. And we pray that by your spirit, you would use us, your people, to further your, your, your message of love, hope, and forgiveness to the world around us. Holy Spirit, we ask that as we come to this table, that you would infuse these ordinary elements and that this meal that we participate might fuel us for this great work, this great call, this great mission that you've invited us into. We ask this in your name. Amen.